Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. I want to go ahead and start today. Um, There's one thing that we all have in common. Every person in this room, no matter where you come from, no matter where you've been, no matter where you're going, but there's one thing that we all have in common, and that is the simple truth that every one of us have a name. We all have a name. If you don't, we'll talk later, I guess. I don't know. But we all have a name. And the truth of the matter is, is, Whatever your environment is, if it's at workplace, if it's at school, if it's at home, when your name is mentioned, there's thoughts that flood people's mind when your name is mentioned. Now, we're not gonna unpack those, praise God, because some of them probably would not be good, um, but maybe they are. But at the end of the day, your name carries weight. And the reason your name carries weight is because the life that you're living is ultimately building the meaning of your name. Does that make sense? Like the life that you live is building the meaning of your personal name. But when we look in scripture, when we look back in the Old Testament, that has not necessarily always been the case. Because in the Old Testament, when you look back, names were given with the expectation of the life that was to be lived, not based off the life that was being lived out. So a name was given, maybe it was a prophetic word, maybe it was a a prediction of the life that that specific child was supposed to live. And so from their moment of birth, their name already carried weight. But names were so important, even in the Old Testament, that on the eighth day of every child's life, they would have a, a name reveal party. So on the eighth day of the child's life, they would call the community together and it would be a public announcement of that child's name because it was so important. And it honestly just predicted what was to come of that child or what the prayer was of that child. And believe it or not, I believe they spent more energy on their name reveal than we do our gender reveals today. (laughs) But as we know, the gender reveal takes place a long time before the name, but they gathered the community together and they revealed the name. So as we started talking about names, I just got curious. Y'all know my my thoughts go sideways. And so I began to wonder, I wonder what my kids' names mean. You know, now look, I I do wanna throw out a disclaimer that as you're gonna hear the meaning of my children's names, our children's names were not based off what their meaning is, okay? And so I wanna sort of go through the list starting from the youngest to the oldest and, and sort of let you know um, the meaning that goes along with my kids' names. And I'm already seeing things according to their names. I've got some work to do. Easton, our young two-year-old, it says according to his name that he's compromising and passive. See, y'all are laughing because if you know Easton, that's not who he is. 
And it says that he is likely to become a follower rather than a leader. Uh, well, we're going to have to whip that out of him. Um, deacon. I hear laughing. Right. Chelsea, where are you at? Deacon is a servant. Means that she will give up what she wants so others can have it. We're going to pray. Why are y'all laughing? Do y'all know something I don't know? Cooper. And this is the part everybody will go, oh, because everybody loves Cooper. Cooper is a generous individual and makes the world a better place. His siblings are going to love that. Andy has a pioneering spirit and a heart's desire to be a leader. I'm excited about that. Then there's poor Brock. And believe it or not, Brock's is the only one that came with a visual. It came with an animal. And so, you know, I was hoping when I started looking, I read it and it said an animal. This is a, we have a, I was thinking, man, it's gotta be a lion, a tiger or something just ferocious. But it is a badger. So poor Brock, I don't really know what to make of this one. However, however, all joking aside, when I began to see what a badger was, I was kind of, you know, a little more excited because it says that they have, that they're very tenacious. I would agree. Have a lot of courage, willpower, and has a fighting spirit. Dang, why is that? I getting emotional now? Like that. That carries no weight on who my kid is, but anyway. But what I want you to do today is I want you to understand names are a big deal. Names are a big deal. Last week, as we began to talk about the name that Jesus would be given, was that name Emmanuel, and we know that in Emmanuel, all packed in that was the purpose and the mission of who Jesus is. It is his mission to be God in the flesh with the people. And we saw last week that we saw all of the ways that God came to be with his people. We saw how it all began, that he manifested himself in the person of Jesus Christ, pouring out all of his attributes into the fleshly body of a human being. And then we saw that Jesus walked among the people and we know that this ultimately led to his death, burial, and the resurrection. And when he ascended back to heaven after the resurrection, we read in scripture last week that this is when he sent the comforter, sent the counselor, sent the Holy Spirit to still be with you and I even currently today. And when you think about that, as we're gathered in this room today, do you understand the presence of God is in here because he's in you? That is something that's very humbling. That creator God, his presence resides in this place because he resides in you. And that is something that we never should grow weary of being humbled by. And so we're gonna look today. I know we can talk about God living in us, the Holy Spirit being present with us. But what I wanna do today is, what does this mean? What is this teaching us that we, as a child of God, have access to? And the way we discover what we have access to is very simple. 
we dig deeper into the names of Jesus. Because inside every name is packed the vision and the mission of who he is and what he does. And so when we look at these names, you're gonna see today the weight that they carry. Because when we talk about Jesus, I could probably go around this room for the next 20 or 30 minutes and let us all raise our hand and give a name that defines who Jesus is. And if you look in the scripture, you hear Christ you hear good shepherd, you hear the bridegroom, you hear the son of God, you hear salvation, you hear peace. All of these names are encompassed in the name of who Jesus is and what he does. And so just like you, when your name is mentioned in the workplace, when your name is mentioned in home, all of these thoughts are gonna flood people's mind because of the life that you live. And the question that I have to ask you, when you hear the name Jesus, what thoughts flood your mind? And the truth of the matter is, is whatever thoughts flood your mind is how you've experienced him. Have you experienced him as comforter? Has you, have you experienced him as salvation? And so when we think about that, Jesus, the name that we feel, the name that we know that he is, those things that fill our mind are based off the experience of how and when you've walked with him. But what I wanna do today is if you got your Bible, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter nine. And we're gonna read a few names that give the name Jesus even more meaning. Isaiah chapter nine. And I'm gonna read the first part of verse six because I wanna spend some time on what we read here. But in verse six of Isaiah chapter nine, it says, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us. And I wanna stop at that word give or given because this word comes from the, in the Hebrew language, comes from the original word, Nathan. And literally what that means is exactly what it means to give. It's something that is delivered or something that is granted. And so whether you believe it or not, every gift that has been given at Christmas time, it is based off the fact, first and foremost, that we were given the Son of God. That's the ultimate gift. And so this whole idea, what's amazing to me is people all over the world celebrate giving gifts when they're honestly celebrating the example from scripture of that's why we give is because of that word given. Now, what I wanna do is I want you to remember the context that we talked about last week and keep in mind this word given. Because if you remember, King Ahaz and the children of Israel were in a very tough spot. They were experiencing financial trouble. They were experiencing spiritual darkness. They were experiencing physical threats. And they were in desperate need for help. And so Isaiah comes to deliver this message to them. And I love it. Remember what he said? Calm down and be quiet. Calm down and be quiet because Emmanuel is coming. You're gonna be given a gift that is going to change everything. And so as you're gonna see today and what I believe Isaiah is wanting the children of Israel to know, this gift that they're giving is much more than just a little baby. 
The gift that has been given is much more than just a little bitty baby. And so the way we know what's involved in this little bitty baby named Jesus is let's look at what his name says. But what I don't want you to miss is don't miss this, this major thought that I think all of us should let it reside in our heart today. Because when Jesus comes, always take into consideration the people that he comes to. He always comes to the people who need help. He always shows up to the heart of the hurting. He always comes to the people who are overwhelmed with circumstances, who need help, who are at rock bottom. That's what Jesus made a career of doing, going to those who needed help. Look in Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five, and I'm just gonna read this real quick. So if you don't wanna take the time, I'm gonna read it and we're going right back to Isaiah. So maybe I should have just said, listen to me or look on the screen. Chapter five, verse 31, listen to what Jesus says. This defines who the people is that he comes to. It is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. We see this being lived out in the fact that he showed up to the children of Israel. That that's what Isaiah is prophesying about is the coming of the Savior. He's showing up to those who are not well. And at the end of the day, there's nobody that is separated from God that's well. When we're separated from God, we're all not well. Well, and if you're saved by the grace of God today, aren't you thankful that he showed up in your life when you weren't well? I go back to when I was 12 years old at Riverbend, and I remember when he showed up to me and I was not well. I was a sinner who was undone on my way to hell, being forever separated from God. But Jesus showed up because that's what he does is he shows up to the ones who need the help. Okay, that was for free. Let's go on side note. Go back to Isaiah 9, 6. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Today, I want us to simply look at one name, and that's the very first one we read, Wonderful Counselor. And I don't know that the word wonderful needs to be defined, but I do find it interesting, the fact that the definition that goes along with it is meaning is extraordinary. And I love how it was written. It says, it's a hard to understand thing. It's a hard to understand thing. I almost feel like he's speaking my language. And we've all been there. When we've tried to describe something that's wonderful, how many times have you tried to describe something and you can't put the words to it? And you know how frustrating it is. You'll try to define it, you'll try to talk about it, and you become so frustrated in the act of doing it, you always end up saying, well, uh, you just wouldn't understand it until you experienced it. You just won't get it until you see it. You won't get it till you have experienced it yourself. How many times does this happen with pictures? 
You see this breathtaking scene and you pull out your phone or maybe you have a fancy camera and maybe I just don't know how to take pictures, but all the time when I take this picture and I go back and look at it, you see it and you're like, mm, it just don't look the same. It just doesn't look the same. So this definition of wonderful simply means that we don't have the ability to express its beauty or its worth. And so then we accompany that word with the word counselor. And a counselor is one who gives direction, who gives wisdom, and who gives instruction, don't miss this, with authority. With authority. So already the children of Israel, King Ahaz, when they hear this passage, when they hear that they're getting a wonderful counselor, they see that this is a much bigger picture than a little bitty baby. They're about to receive someone who's gonna have the ability to give them the guidance and wisdom that can't be explained. That they can't put words on his wisdom. They can't put words on the instruction that he gives because to our carnal minds, it may not make sense. We can't put into words the wisdom and the guidance that's available to a child of God. You can't comprehend it until you've experienced it. And to Israel at this time, this was great news for them because they were facing a situation where they, they wanted a lot of answers. How do we get out of this mess? How do we recover? How do we pr provide protection? Because in their heart of hearts, in their mind, they were under the assumption that if they could get all of their worldly problems solved, that they wouldn't have any trouble. If they could fix their finances, if they could fix their workplace, if they could fix the, the animosity that was going around with armies trying to attack, then they necessarily wouldn't have anything to worry about. But at the end of the day, what Israel needed to understand is that their trouble really was not about money. Their trouble was not about tragedy. Their trouble was not about attack. The main problem that Israel was facing is the fact that they had been separated from God. That they had been separated from God. And the reality is, as you're gonna see later, even if you continue reading on, that God shows up and fixes all of their worldly problems. He takes care of them financially. He protects them. He does all of those things. But it's not gonna be till later that he truly provides what they needed. And was provided by the way of a man named Jesus. That was ultimately what they were in need of. So the biggest trouble that they were facing is they weren't right with God. But Jesus is on his way in the form of a human being to give them all of the wisdom they needed to know how they can be right with God. Because as you'll read in the Gospel of John, Jesus announces, he gives them wisdom, he gives them knowledge, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. No one can be made right with God unless their faith is in me. 
So Jesus gives them all the wisdom they need. This void that they have in their heart, this, this void that they have in their gut, they think if I can get my money fixed, if I can get my family fixed, if I can get my marriage fixed, if I can get my work situation fixed, then I won't have anything to worry about. And at the end of the day, on this planet, even today, all of those problems can be fixed, but we will never find what we long for until we place our faith in Jesus Christ and be made right with a holy and a righteous God. You can have everything in your life fixed. But if you're not made right with God, that void will never be filled. Because Israel was honestly longing to be at peace with God. Whether they verbalized it or not, they longed to be at peace with God. Today in this room, There's people in here today that long to be at peace with God and you are trying to fix everything in your life thinking you will obtain peace with God. And can I tell you that apart from the blood of Jesus Christ, you will never experience being right with God until you place your full faith and trust in him. It's that simple. So as they're longing for this peace with God, Jesus shows up and gives them the wisdom that they need. So we know without a doubt that Jesus is always gonna show up and give the wisdom to the lost, to the sheep that are without a shepherd, and he's gonna tell them how they can find their way and that their way is only through him. But also for the believer today, if you're here today and and you consider yourself a child of God because of where your faith is, I want you to know that he also gives wisdom to his children. He also gives direction to his children. But I want you to think about this very simply. In our context, in our day and age, when do we go see a counselor? When we need help. It's not rocket science. We go to the counselor when we need help. And maybe it's help in our marriage. Maybe it's help with our finances. Maybe it's help with our decisions. Maybe it's help with our hurt. But we go to the counselor seeking guidance, seeking wisdom. But I wanna remind you to what God wants you as his children to know. In Psalms chapter 32, verse eight, God says, I will instruct you. I will, not I might, there's a good chance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you, listen to this, with my eye upon you. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. So for the child of God, for the believer in the room today, do you hear the heart of the Father? Do you hear the heart of the Father of what he wants to provide his children with? But the question that I have to ask you as a child of God, are you utilizing what you have access to? Are you utilizing what resides inside of you? The presence of God is there. And you heard what he said in verse, or chapter 32, verse eight. I will instruct you and teach you. It's all here. It's living inside of you. Are you utilizing the presence of God that lives inside of you? And I know your next question is probably, how do I do that? 
How do I utilize the presence of God? How do I receive wisdom? How do I receive instruction from the Holy Spirit, the one that I've placed my faith in? I will always tell you all the wisdom you need is right here. Every bit of it. But I also wanna unpack Hebrews chapter four. If you've got your Bible, flip to Hebrews chapter four. And this is the last time we're flipping today. Some of you are missing the book of James because you knew where we were gonna stay. But Hebrews chapter four. And I'm just simply gonna read verses 15 and 16. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. For the sake of today, listen to me, I'm not changing scripture, so don't go home and say, that Pastor Brian is changing words in the Bible. But what I want you to do is I want us to take out the high priest name and supplement that with wonderful counselor. So in verse 15, if we read it again, for we do not have a wonderful counselor who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach. Some of your Bibles probably say draw near. Therefore, let us draw near to the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so as you say, well, how do I receive wisdom? How do I receive direction? How do I receive the knowledge? It's so clear in verse 16 how you do that. You draw near to the one who loves you. You approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, knowing what you have access to. And so when we think about a counselor, when we think about in our context, a counselor, here's what I want you to understand. If the word is telling us the way we receive counsel is to draw near, the only way you're gonna receive counsel from a counselor here on this earth is to make an appointment. The wonderful counselor operates the same way. The beauty of it is we don't have to make an appointment. We have an all-access pass. If you wake up in the middle of the night at two o'clock in the morning, burden, guess what? You have an appointment. If you get bogged down in the middle of the day at lunchtime, guess what? You have an appointment because the Spirit of God resides and lives inside of you. And what I love is that not only are we told if we will draw near, that's how we receive it, but we're also told in Scripture when we draw near to Him, what does He do to us? Draws near to us. When we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So the first step in receiving this knowledge, receiving this wisdom, is to draw near to him. The Bible tells us when you draw near, you'll find grace. You'll find the help that you need. But then the second step that I want you to make sure that a lot of times is hard. When you draw near to him, you better be ready to open up and share with him. Because how many times have we heard counselors in this day and age say that we're never gonna have a breakthrough until you're honest, until you're transparent. 
So the question that I have for the child of God today is will you be honest when you come to the presence of God? Will you bring to him your brokenness, your anger, your hurt? Will you bring with you your addiction? Will you bring with you your struggles? Because here's a newsflash, listen. When you confess it before the Lord, you're not telling him something that he doesn't know already. When you enter to the presence of God and say, God, I'm struggling with this addiction. God, my marriage is falling apart. God is not sitting on the throne and going, oh, I had no idea. He's saying, I know my child, but I've just been waiting on you to bring it to me. Because it's not until we acknowledge it before the throne of grace that you will receive the knowledge and wisdom that's available. But instead, we want to enter the presence of God with this mask on. We want to sing to the loudest of louds and be the, the most obnoxious worshiper in the world when inside, we've got everything covered up. Because if we think we can fake it in here, somehow God won't know. So when you come near to him, are you being honest with him? Because there's something about being honest with God. Because when we're honest with God, then he says, okay, my child, trust me now. And when he knows we trust him, then he can give us the direction that he knows is best. The instruction that he knows is gonna work together for the good of those who love him. And Jesus even tells us in scriptures, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. But I love what it says, you gotta come first. You gotta come to him and bring all that you are. Bring all that you are. And I know that a lot of times in our life, we think, well, if, I, if I'm honest with God, then he's gonna scold me. He's gonna reprimand me because God doesn't understand because he's never had to deal with what I'm dealing with. He's never had to walk through what I'm walking through. Did you hear what verse 16 says? He's able to sympathize with his children. Why? Because we're not experiencing anything that he hasn't walked through himself. But the only difference is, is oftentimes when we walk through it, we fall flat on our face, but the perfect son of God did not. So who better to go to, to learn how to overcome something than the one who has already overcome it? I don't know about you, but that's who I want advice from. I want advice from the one who has the game plan to how to be victorious. And he's already proven that. He's been victorious since he was able to overcome. That's who we go to for advice. But for the child of God in the room today, are you willing? Are you willing to be transparent and bring him your mess? And I get it, all messes look different. Your mess today may be financially. Your mess today may be your marriage. Your mess today may be your children. It may be your addiction. It may be that deep, dark struggle that no one knows about. And you're honestly exhausted 
from trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. You're worn out trying to fix all of your worldly problems. You realize that's what Israel was doing. They were trying to fix everything by their actions. They were trying to be good enough. They were trying to do this. They were trying to do that. They were making decisions based off their flesh, but what they found themselves in was in the worst spiritual condition they could possibly be in, and that was separated from a God and a Father who loved them. And there's no doubt in my mind there's people in this room that that's where you're at today. You're trying to fix all of your worldly problems because you think if you can fix them that you'll be made right with God. I wanna go ahead and tell you now, just stop. Because when you get one problem fixed, guess what? Another one arises. And then another. And then another. And because of all of our worldly problems, we think there's no way God can love me. And so today, if you're exhausted from trying to earn God's love, today, my prayer has been that the presence of God, the spirit in this room, the spirit living in me is knocking on your heart's door today and saying, hey, I just want you to trust me. I want you to trust me with your eternity. It's what I died for. It's what I was sent to do was to be the way. And some of you today, just like the ones you've seen come through the water, you need to discover today that he is the only way. And so as we give an invitation this morning, my prayer is that you would respond and understand that Jesus came to give wisdom to the lost of how they could be made right with God. But the last element of response that I want to share this morning is with the believer. Because look, just because you're saved doesn't mean we don't have any worldly problems. And God laid this analogy on my heart that I learned a long time ago, and I've shared this before, maybe in here, maybe it was in student ministry, I don't remember. But one of my biggest excitements and joys of Christmas every year when my kids were little was when they would get a Lego set. And I remember when they would open up a gift and I would see the, the Lego label, I ain't gonna lie to you, I got excited <laughs> because I love putting Legos together with my kids. Number one, they depended on me to do it all. And so we would go and open the box and you know, nowadays they're compartmentalized. If you're putting together this big airplane, there's a little bag here, there's a little bag there, and OCD me, I'm gonna open it up and that little patch is gonna stay together. This one's gonna stay here and I'm orchestrating all of this and how it's gonna operate. It's very organized. So I know where I can take the pieces from. And so that's how we would always start. And then there was the finished project when my children were letting me walk with them and help them. But as a dad, can I tell you that deep down it broke my heart the first time I ever heard him say, Daddy, we got it. We don't need you today. And I ain't gonna lie to you, as a grown man, I sat in my recliner one depressed human being because my kids didn't need me. 
And I remember sitting in my recliner at our old house and I would hear the bags opening up and pieces going everywhere. And I was, oh, on the inside, I was in knots. But then I would listen from them around the corner and I would hear them at the kitchen table and I would hear the frustration. I would hear the argument starting of lost pieces. And I would hear them just grimacing. I would hear the, the strain in their voice of, oh, this is gonna fit. Like they were just doing everything they could to put it together exactly how they thought it was to be put together. And all I did was a father was hear a hurting child who became frustrated, who became discouraged. And I remember as a dad going, oh, if they would just ask. If they would just let me help. And I can remember Brock as a little boy walking in the living room with a jumbled mess in his hand. And he said, Daddy, I can't do it. I need your help. And do you think my response as a dad was like, grow up, big boy, you said you wanted it. No. I took his mess. And I said, buddy, listen to me. I'm gonna help you, but I'm gonna have to dismantle everything that you've done thus far. I'm gonna have to remove some pieces that you've put in the wrong place. I'm gonna have to break this thing apart before I can put it back together the way it's supposed to be together. And there's no doubt in my mind this morning that there's a lot of you that are holding your mess today. And the heavenly father is sitting not in his recliner, but he's sitting on the throne of grace. And he's saying, my child, just please bring me your mess. But if you'll bring him your mess, the question is, will you trust him to break it apart first? Will you let him remove the pieces that are in the wrong place? Because at the end of the day, a lot of times, that's what the wonderful counselor does. He's, he wants us to trust him first. And so this morning, if you're looking for the way, Jesus is inviting you today for a relationship to be made right with God. But today for the child of God, who's gonna be honest and transparent with a father who loves you and you bring your mess and say, God, I need your help. God, I need your help. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. 
We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.